Hello. Welcome to the podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm Pastor Todd Starnes. This is our series called Suitcase, where we're diving in and we're going to look at God's Word, how to overcome depression, anxiety, the stresses of life, and I believe this will be an encouragement to you. Remember, if you want any information about us, go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. But let's jump right in to this week's message. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we've been in a series called um, Suitcase. I've ex- been excited about this. I hope it's ministered to you. So Suitcase part 3. This morning I'm going to talk to you about overcome worry. Overcome worry. So we're going to pick up in Philippians chapter 4. I hate that it's on the screen, but if you have the Version Bible app, you can go there and the notes page is there at the U. You just go to, you'll see events in our church. It should be there. Also, if you go to our website, odessafirst.com, and click watch live, um, I'm not encouraging you to watch live while you're watching live, but on that page is also the sermon notes. And it's actually a little better format than the U version, but just letting you know that. But I'll try to kind of go slow and we have those fill in the blanks for those of you that have your notebooks. But let's pray. Well, oh, two more things really quick. One is thank you to everybody that uh, brought food and helped and served for last week's um, Thanksgiving celebration. Thank you. I, just, I applaud you and thank you. You did awesome. We had We had plenty of food and um, it was just a great time to have together, and so thank you, thank you, thank you. And also, um, this last weekend, we had youth convention. And so, we had, matter of fact, we had the largest group represented at youth convention. And so, that was really awesome. But we had a great weekend, Friday and Saturday. Thank you, Brittany, and thank you, Tanya. And uh, they did more of the heavy lifting. I just kind of drove the bus, but I was there. I got to speak a session, but thank you guys for your help. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Let's start there. Reading in the New Living Translation. Always be full of joy in the Lord. We talked about that last week. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Verse 5. Let everyone see that you're considering all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And here's these two verses as we're what we're focusing on this morning, but we're going to read past this as well. But verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final saying, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard and you saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. And so we're going to focus in on verses 6 and 7. Um, uh, the week, uh, the first Sunday in December, we're going to focus on verses 8 and 9. But verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And the, ES, the English standard and, and more 
translations say it this way, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God. I, is there anybody that are warriors? Anybody, anybody just kind of naturally a warrior? Um, sometimes I, I think that that's kind of a, a, a mom thing. I don't know that you can be a mom and not be a warrior. Am I right or wrong on that? I, um, my mom all the time, I mean, it, even the littlest things, I mean, you know, she'll call me like, I mean, I think like World War III just happened, and I'm like, Mom, that's not a big deal, you know. And she's like, well, I just worry about you, you know. Always worried. That's kind of what moms do. But, you know, worrying really can become a, a, a drain on us. I mean, it's, it's a natural inclination for there to be something in your life that you may get worried about time to time. But if it is dominating your heart, that is a weight that you were never meant to carry. Do you hear me this morning? That, uh, you, you are not designed, meant to carry just those worries, that heaviness all the time. Corey Ten Boom said this. I love this quote. Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. I mean, there may be some of us in the house that maybe you're carrying three, four, five, six, seven, eight days, Right? It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it sure empties today of its strength. That is a powerful thought. It has been said that 85% of what we worry about never happens. 85% of what we worry about never happens. I used to have the breakdown of the other 15%, but I don't have that. But, I mean, we can worry about bills and money, the past, gossips, haters, relationships, work, health, aging, celebrities. I, I just really don't understand that one, to be honest. But I do know people, and you, you know by social media, it's like life is bigger than what happens at, in the monarchy of England. Why is all that dominating our news cycle? Why? Because it pay, it's paying somebody's bills because there's some Americans that are worrying about what's happening over there. We worry about what other people are doing. We worry about what other people are not doing. We worry about what can go wrong, things outside of our control. We can worry so much that we get worried when we're not worried. Right? Pressures, responsibilities, circumstances, stresses, have-tos, need-tos, honey-dos, to-do-dos. Not do, well, anyway, okay. Um, but what happens is worry robs peace. Worry robs peace. But I also want you to know this morning is that peace robs worry. And that's what I hope we're going to focus on this morning is is we're gonna we're gonna flip the script, and we're gonna rob. We're gonna rob worry, because we're gonna be controlled by peace. When we worry, we'll not have peace, and when we don't have peace, we'll worry. Worrying is a subtle form of distrust in God. I mean, really, what worrying most of the time comes down to 
is one, is that we think we can do things better than God, or two, we don't think that God is fully in control, or three, how God's controlling things is not how we'd control things. And we, we have to renew our trust in God, even when we can't see all the puzzle pieces and how those, maybe sometimes we see all the puzzle pieces and, and don't know how they're going to fit together. And we really have to trust that God is stronger than us. That God is more powerful than us, that God sees more than us. Come on, right? When we're worrying, we're, we're saying that we don't trust God and that, that, that we doubt and we worry. We don't know if he can handle every situation. And it'll lead us to a place of helplessness and hopelessness. But we see in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry. And, and listen, I mean... If you really um, listen to what Scripture is saying, I mean, these aren't my words, right? We know that, right? That, um, you know, this is not the, you know, Todd translation. This is the New Living or the ESV or the King or whatever. It says, don't worry about anything. I mean, process that set for a moment. You know, it, it would be a whole lot better if it said, don't worry about the 85% of things that you can do nothing about. But it doesn't say that. It says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And that, church, is the key. It is prayer that shifts us from struggling with worry to committing it to God. Number one is this. Prayer is the pathway to peace. Prayer is the pathway to peace. Prayer takes the focus off the difficulty and it puts the power of God to God. It, it commits it to him. It, it takes the, the microscope, the magnifying glass, off the situation. Paul's advice is that we turn, we don't worry, be anxious about anything, but we pray about everything. So he says, turn our worries into prayer. If we would pray as much as what we worry, we would be pretty significant prayer warriors, right? If those things that are dominating our thoughts, and we would capture those things and just give it to God in prayer, and yeah, you know what? You may got to pray about it every day. You may got to pray about it every moment. You may got to pray about it every hour, but you, you pray about everything, and you submit those things to the Lord, whenever you start to worry, just stop and pray. Pray when, when the worry hits, you pray. When the anxiety hits, you pray. When the pressure hits, you pray. When the hurt happens, you pray. When the unknown is unknown, you pray. When you're tempted to fear, you pray. When, you, when the past beckons you back, you pray. When the memories surface, you pray. When the confusion clouds, you pray. When the trial extends, you pray. When the month outlasts the paycheck, you pray. When the temptation arises, you pray. When the struggle is real, you pray. When the diagnosis is not what you want, you pray. Pray first. 
And I know I've talked about this, and we, one day we're going to do a t-shirt that says pray first, but that's really what we need to do. And I know that it's like JBQ, Sunday school, like, you know, things we should have learned when we were really young, yet, I mean, we, even no matter where we are in life and how long we have been saved, I would guarantee that everybody in this room has still struggled with those two words, pray first. Pray first. Before you react, pray. Before you respond, pray. Hebrews 4.16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive, not might, not maybe, we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. And when are we going to do that? When we come boldly to the throne of grace. But maybe, maybe, see I've done that over and over and over and over. You know what you have to do? You keep doing it over and over and over and over. Why? Because you're not God. He is. I like how the Amplified talks about Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. Jesus knows and is moved with compassion by your weakness. I mean, when we get consumed with, with anxiety or worry, I mean, really, sometimes what we're saying is, is I am strong enough to shoulder this. I'm strong enough to do this. I'm strong enough to know the answers to these questions. I got myself in this mess. I can get myself out. Is that in too close to home? Is that why you guys are so quiet? But Jesus knows your compassion. He, he, he has compassion. He's moved with compassion by our weakness. Listen, I know I emphasized that last week, but in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. It is okay. Listen, I know it's tough on our pride. And you know what? Sometimes it needs to be tough on our pride to come to the Lord and say, help. I can't shoulder this anymore. I can't carry this anymore. In the verse 15, we read Hebrews 4, 16. You guys know sometimes after I, I kind of like to go to the verse above, listen to Hebrews 4, 15. This high priest of ours understands our, you know why he moves with compassion about our weakness? Because he knows weakness. He understands our weakness. He took that upon himself at the cross. The high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings that we do, but he just did it right. That meeting place is called the throne of grace, because that is the place where you get God's grace, his love, his help, his mercy, his forgiveness, his understanding, his power, the fruit of the Spirit, Philippians 4.19, so God provides all we need 
under any circumstance. God provides all that we need under any circumstance. Philippians 4.19, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which we have been given to us through Christ Jesus. God will take care of you. And whenever, you know, I didn't include in this one, and I, I mentioned it a, few, a couple of weeks ago, but I want to remind you, and maybe it's been a while that you've read it, go back and read Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is the chapter, I think it's Matthew, it could be 5, it could be 7, but I think it's 6, where it talks about, don't, uh, it, it approaches this very subject about worry. Read that passage. Number two is this, prayer is the pathway to see the Lord's faithfulness. Prayer is the pathway to see the Lord's faithfulness. And understand, I, I want you to really come in, to, uh, under, clue in, if I, I don't know the way to say it, of how I'm saying this. Prayer is the pathway to see the Lord's faithfulness. Prayer is not the pathway to get the Lord to be faithful. Prayer is the pathway for us to see his faithfulness. Because sometimes that's how we pray. We pray sometimes like God hasn't been faithful. But God's always been faithful. What prayer does, it opens our eyes and our heart and our spirits to how he's been faithful. Through prayer, we renew our trust in the Lord's faithfulness. When we release those anxieties and, and stresses and, and problems and worry, we know that God will take care of it because he cares for us. Remember, last week I talked about that we focus on God's faithfulness. How you focus on God's faithfulness is for you to spend, for us, for we to spend time in prayer. Listen, if you're just, you know, if you're just throwing up the prayer every once in a while when you're at a red light and hope the cop didn't see you, that's, that's not a prayer life. When the only, if the only time you come to, to God in prayer is when you messed up, that's not a prayer life. It, it, when you come, if the only time you pray is when you need something, that, yes, we can come to God with our need, but if that's the only reason you're coming to the Lord, that's not an intimate relationship with the Father. What you've got to have to see the Lord's faithfulness is to abide in Him. To, to be in that special place with him, to be in that shelter and that strong tower. You have, listen, I know that there's things in our walk with the Lord that are kind of a quality experience, but nothing can replace quantity time with God because quantity time with God will reshape you. Quantity time with God will, will do something on the inside of you that can't be done in any other way. But if we're finding everything else more important and we're missing out on that time, what we're saying is, is God, I got this. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. I love this verse. This is, this is of course, Moses and Deuteronomy. And, and Moses is he's, he's trying to get the children of Israel to, to remember, to think back. You know, they, they went through this period where, you know, it was like with every struggle, every trial, every hiccup, oh, if we were only back in bondage, I mess on how they said it there, if we're only back in Egypt, you know, the leaks were so, I don't even know, a leak, I don't, are leaks good? Or the leaks were good, I mean, that's what they say. 
Every time something happened, every time something negative happened, anytime something confronted their peace, are, are you listening to me? And, Mo, and here Moses, he says, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. For how long? As long as you live. What is he saying? He's saying something may have happened when you were 19 years old. It never gets old to God for us to remember that. Did you hear how I said that? Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. Listen, you, it may only be the point of your salvation, but that alone is enough to remember God's faithfulness. But I would dare say and submit to you, there's been far more than that. There's been far more than that. I was thinking recently, it is, you, know, you ever just have those random memories? I don't even know what triggered it. And uh, wait, when I first started ministry, you know, and I was, I, was, you know, I was pulling in, you know, I was the janitor of the church, I was a youth pastor, and I was the kids pastor, and I, I was making $100 a month. Man, yeah, memories. And, but I, you know, and so, you know, I couldn't afford much. Much less to go to the doctor, and I, man, I got I got strep throat. I, I mean, it was just, it was like one of the worst, just sore throat, worst I ever had. And uh, I ended up losing my voice, and and like for days, like I had no voice, completely lost it. And I mean, well, I was getting a little bit worried. And of course, I didn't call my mom. So maybe she's not. Maybe they're all at church. She's not watching this. Sometimes she watches us. So, um, but yeah, so I didn't call her. But anyway. I'll never, you know, and it, I, but I, I was, I was feeling better. I was feeling okay. And, and, ba, you know, back then, you know, kind of everybody sat on the platform. I don't know if y'all remember that. So my pastor made me, I really didn't have anything to do in service, but I had to sit on the platform and, and I was sitting up there and I, I was, I was, you know, just worshiping and, and then something, it just kind of, it just kind of hit me. And I was like, you know, God, this is really bugging me that I can't vocally worship you right now. I mean, I'll never forget the conversation I had with the Lord. I mean, I'm sitting there, no voice. I'm just praying in my heart, and I'm, I'm mouthing the words like I'm worshiping, you know, I mean, you, you know, during the worship time, but I was sitting there, I was like, you know, God, this, I, just, I, I want to be to express my worship to you, and I just began to worship the Lord, and I was trying to speak, and I just began to, and I began to worship, and uh, I'll never forget it, and it was like from one word to the next. My voice came back completely healed, not even froggy, not even coarse, not even rough. I mean, that moment on the platform, God touched my voice. And uh, usually kind of my job in, in the service was to uh, like do the transitional prayer type thing. And I went over to my pastor and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, I can do the prayer. And I mean, his, I mean, because he knew. You, you, you can, sometimes those things will Pop into your memory and listen, do you know how many times that I've been sick that I've looked back on those encounters that I had with God 
And I said, God, if you did it then, you can do it now. There is something about remembering the Lord's faithfulness. Yeah, and even you may be in a place right now where you dug the hole of the pit that you're in, but he still promises that he'll lift you out of that pit and put you on the rock. He did it once before. He can do it again. And you remember his faithfulness. You hear me? And some of you, you've been through big deals physically and emotionally and relationally. And if God did it then, he's faithful to do it now. Recount the faithfulness of the Lord. I mean, at the end of his life, Joshua, when you read the book of Joshua, you get the last couple of chapters. In one verse he said this, Joshua 21, 45, not a single, not a single one. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord has given to my family of Israel was left unfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. I mean, can you picture Joshua, end of his life. I mean, he's he's talking to the people about when he goes to the earth. And he, he looks back even... He, when he looked back, he even had to look at the defeat at Ai, which I don't have a whole lot of time to go into that, but after the battle, of, even through those difficult times, Joshua looked back and he didn't see everything God didn't do, but what he did see is everything that God did do. That was good. That was, that was just off the cuff free right there. Joshua 23, 14, soon I will die going the way of everything on earth. Listen to what he says. Deep in your hearts you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not one single one has failed. Not one. Not one. Number three is this. Prayer is the pathway to assurance. Prayer is the pathway to assurance. Assurance. Let me just make just give it a simple definition. Assurance is our confidence in God. Assurance is our confidence in God. In the midst of a world filled with uneasiness and insecurity, excuse me, assurance of our where we stand with the Lord, I'm gonna tell you, is something that is so precious, part of the authentic Christian life. Uh, when we understand that our assurance, our confidence in God is not based on human resources or human abilities or human ingenuity, but it is solely, it rests in the power. One One of my favorite verses is in Psalm, I think it's chapter 20, but Psalm, some trust in chariots and some horses, but I'll remember the name of the Lord my God. I mean, it doesn't mean, you know, I mean, listen, when I, when I turn on the hot water, I'm expecting, I'm putting my trust. When I turn on, I want hot water. I mean, I get that. Listen, I, I know there's things we, we put our trust in, but what I want you to know is in the middle of maybe a circumstance that you can't see through, do not let it shake your confidence in God. Don't let it shake about how God feels about you, his love for you, his, I mean, the word tells us we can cast our cares 
on him. Why? Because he cares for us. That is his word. You can have confidence in what he promises. You can have confidence in him. The foundation of our assurance is it's, it's really something that we meet God with faith. We got to have the faith to have that trust, to take that step. But the fulfillment, the power, the, the fruition of it is all on him. All you have to do is take that step in confidence. Remember, how do we come to the throne of grace? We come with what? Confidence. We come with confidence. I, I like, I love... Uh, um, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, one of my favorite couple of verses. It says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he'll give us the inheritance he promised, and that he has purchased to us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and we glorify him. Listen, what God does for us, and, and this confidence that we have, we have it because he's given us the Holy Spirit as an advocate, as, a, as that helper. Listen, you can't do this on your own. You've got to have confidence that God is going to do what he said he would do. Why? Because he will do it. He will do it. And the last thing is this. Prayer is the pathway for the exchange. Prayer is a pathway for the exchange. I, my, my, my dad... He's, uh, he loves, like, he calls them antique shops. I, I, I don't know that that's what they qualify as. It, some of you know, right? You know, you're driving by, and it looks like a house. And it, you know, looks like their house threw up on the front yard. And all their stuff's out there. You know what I'm talking about, right? And it's like, I, I get it. I, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I get it. And there's a lot of people making a lot of money off trash. I, I, I I get it, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I, I remember, I, I can't remember how many times we've been on trips or whatever, and there'd be like, I mean, we used to call them swap meets, I don't know, is that, or flea market swap meet, anybody know, am I talking anybody's language, you know what I'm talking about, there's some of you who still like that, you're like, I'm going to swap meet, and uh, you, know, you know, you might find that jewel or whatever, but you know, there, there's no greater swap meet and what God does for us. You know, I know, you know, we, we pay for, like, you know, when I, like if I, um, like on my Christmas list this year is an 80-inch TV for my living room. And uh, it's not on Angela's, so, but it's, it's on my dream, my bucket list. Man, that's probably a better list. But if I finally come to the place and, you know, I take whatever thousand dollars it takes to buy that, you know what I'm saying is, is that that thousand dollars or whatever it may be, I value that TV more than I do those C notes. 
And yet the Lord says, if you'll bring your ashes, I'll give you beauty. He says, if you bring your mourning, I'll give you praise. He says, if you bring me your sadness, I'll give you gladness. I mean, what swap meet in the world could you bring your ashes and get something for? Not a thing. Because we're not on the value of the world system. (laughs) And so think about this. Process it this way. When we read, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. We read, for God so loved the world that he gave what? His only son. What does that say about your value to God? What does that say about your value to God? There is no exchange like what we get from the Lord. There's no exchange like what we get from the Lord. When we release our problems, our concerns, you know, that's just it. We can, we can give all this junk. We can cast it to him like we talked about that first week. We can just give it all. We can give him the hurt. We can give him the struggle. We can give him the problems. We can give him the anxiety. We can give him the worry. We can give all that over. And then you know what he does for us? He gives us peace. That's God's exchange rate. And so our last verse of our passage, verse 7, that we're looking at, and the peace of God. Yesterday, I, um, in my session, I, I shared a story from years ago. It was, uh, it was a long, long time ago. I was youth pastoring, actually there at Christian Life, and and we had a pretty substantial youth ministry, and God was, had this really blessed and doing an awesome thing. And, um, but one of our services, there was this young man that came in. I'll, I'll, I mean, I can close my eyes and see him walk in through those gym doors. I mean, like it was yesterday. He was he, he's just a little shorter than me, but he was a ripped dude. I mean, he was buff. I mean, he, you know, I mean, he, I mean the dude was he just shredded. And he comes walking in. And his face is, I mean, you could tell, like, fresh. Like, I mean, two black eyes. I mean, some scrapes and stuff on his face. And, and I mean, I, I do not intimidate very well. I, mean, I, I just don't. It's just it's not within my personality. And, I mean, that guy, I, I hit the pause button. I mean, I, I was like, uh, <laughs> what are we going to do about this guy? <laughs> you know. And he, he comes in, and he sits on the front row. We had couches in our gymnasium for our youth, and for whatever, he comes dead center, sits in the front row. We start service, we start worship, and uh, he just lays over and goes to sleep. And, you know, I see him do it, and I'm like, not telling him anything. And I had sponsors come over to me, and they were like, hey, you see that kid in the front row? I'm like, yeah, if you want to deal with that, I'm not going to deal with it. And they're like, okay, we're not either, you know. And so, long story short, I give the altar call. And I mean, he stands up and he comes forward. 
And I was like, I know that guy did not hear. I mean, no, I mean, I mean, because he slept all the way through me preaching and speaking. I mean, he he was out the whole time. And so, you know, I start talking to him, and you know, end up leading him to the Lord. He, I mean, he he went out into the power of God. I mean, God met him. God encountered him. And it was later we were talking. I was like, I, I'm just. I told him. I said, Man, I'm I'm really blown away <laughs> at what God did in you tonight. I said, When you came in, I mean, you just you went right to sleep. And he said, I'll tell you something. He, when I came in, all the writhing, all the anger, all all what I, I've carried, I walked in and it was just it was gone. He said, I have never in my life felt peace like what I did when I walked in this room. And he said, he said, I have, he said, I don't sleep. You know, I, he said, I just, I felt like I could rest. <laughs> in the midst of all that, somehow he hears the gospel and responds. He's now 18, 19 years later, whatever it's been, he's a pastor in Lubbock. And, uh. There's nothing like the peace of God. And there's some of you in this room, you're in such turmoil. You've been in such a battle. You've forgotten what peace is. But God can give that to you. He can, he can give that rest to your mind, to your thought pattern, to your heart. God can give you the peace that you're looking for. I mean, we try to deaden it a lot of times, don't we? We get good at our hobbies or, you know, the next Netflix binge watch or, you know, the, the self-medication through substances. We try to find that peace, but there's no peace like God's peace. And it says, "...and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding." I mean, you. I mean, simply, can I just put it? And you know, I'm. I'm. I know. I'm. I'm not. You know, the smartest guy in the room. I understand that. But here's what I how I process those four words. Is that God can give me a peace, even when it doesn't make sense to have peace. See beyond our understanding. And what will that peace do? It will guard you. It will protect you. And I know I've relayed about this verse so many times, but I mean, you know, this is a prison epistle. Paul's in prison. And I'm not saying a garrison army was like protecting Paul. I'm not suggesting that, but... That's kind of the word image that Paul is giving when he says, guard your hearts in Christ and minds Jesus. That guard was a, is a military term in the Greek. And kind of what you have to picture is a Roman garrison surrounding a city to protect that city. And what Paul is saying is that the peace of God, which doesn't make sense to have that you have it in the circumstance that you have it, he's going to guard you. He's going to guard you. I want to ask you to stand this morning if you would.
I hope this hits home with someone this morning. I, I do really quickly want to close with a story. And it was about a pastor on a flight. He traveled a lot and, uh, you know, spoke from one place to the other. And uh, he was on this, his, this flight. I don't know if you've ever flown much. I used to fly a lot. I don't, I, don't get, I don't do that much anymore. But I've been on some pretty rough flights. I was on a flight from Dallas to um, Boston one time. And I'll, it was one of the worst flights I'd ever been on. And it was like, I mean, it felt like, I mean, we had this turbulence. And I, I mean, when I read this story, I was like, I knew exactly what I was talking about. Because the, the pilot came on. He said, we're not going to be serving beverages. We need you to buckle up. This is a serious situation. We're in some major turbulence, you know, whole type of thing. And I mean, we like, I, I don't know how far we'd drop sometimes. I mean, just drop, shake, trip, I mean, lightning, and I, I mean, that whole thing. I mean, it, you know, there, there was a few people on that flight that, you know, that was their come to Jesus moment, you know. And so he was in a situation kind of like that, of just that turbulence. And he said, as they were flying, he looks over and he sees this little girl. And um, she's just reading a book I mean people are he says you could hear people calling out to God you know confessing sin and you know crying and whimpering and all this different stuff and and this little girl she just seemed unscathed uh, by the by the storm you know everybody's alarmed everybody's freaking out and he looks over and he sees this girl who just seems to be at peace reading a book in her own world and so when they finally landed, <laughs> you know, of course, you know, people, oh, you know, but he, he said, hey, he said, uh, you know, we just went some really bad turbulence. He said, there was a few people in here that were, were freaking out. <laughs> he said, but you seemed really calm. Why, why were you so calm? And this was her response. She said, my dad's the pilot, and he always gets me home. I hope that this message was a blessing to you. If you would, please like and share to your favorite platform, and we would greatly appreciate it. Remember, if you would like more information about us, go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. If you're ever in the Odessa area, we would love to meet you in person. God bless you.